Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I post episodes twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays on whatever strikes my fancy. So welcome. In today's episode, we get a little personal. The past year has been the absolute ghetto for many of us. We've been going through the gigs and suffering in silence or perhaps even out loud. We've lost so much. Loved ones, jobs, opportunities, connections, time. For some of us, it's been okay, great even in some ways. But still, there is a feeling of grief, of something being irretrievably lost. And I think we're still trying to figure out the full scale of what that is, as we adjust to this latest iteration of a new normal. Where I live, the lockdown started off with something like a sense of adventure, which sounds perverse, I know, because people were dying, Kentaro. But not anyone that I knew personally. Uganda, where at least 80% of the people that I care for deeply live, seemed to be doing okay. Here, most of my close circle were fortunate enough to be able to retreat to and work from home and wonder at these unprecedented events. Although I was generally saddened by what was unfolding, my immediate concern was mainly for a dear friend working at the front lines to save lives. And so for a few weeks and then a few months, we watched with a detached and distant sort of muted horror as the number of deaths climbed. But privately, in some ways, we thrived. We had more time to sit around and chat and reconnect. Some people learned to bake bread, discovered new hobbies, became social media stars, etc., etc., etc. But with time, of course, the true damage began to unfold. Even back home, loss of income and employment, fear of the future and feelings of hopelessness and isolation, untold misery for millions, which is yet to be fully examined and quantified. And now we're in the grip of a third wave. Every day brings news of someone I know losing a loved one. It's been relentless. But we soldier on, determined to face an uncertain future, but bracing in case of disaster. And so for many of us, after years of resilience, these events were the final blow to our mental health. Mental health is still a bit of a dirty secret. We've been told that it's okay to not be okay, but I'm not sure we quite believe it yet. Anyway, fast forward to my own personal slice of hell, with some of what I've described above becoming very real. And for months, I struggled to find the motivation even to just get out of bed. Truly, I did. And today I want to talk about how I'm finally getting my life back on track. And if even one person hears this and feels heard, feels seen, and is encouraged to make a change or start a new chapter, then the agony of burying myself will have been worth it. The first thing to do is to ask for help. This may be easy for some, but is a monumental task for so many, and I fall in the latter category. But no man is an island, and sometimes you come to the end of your own strength. Sometimes even this first step feels impossible to take, and that's where some of the other steps in this list may come to the rescue. But we'll come to that. 
The help that I reached out for was therapy and not just any old therapy because I had been there before. I sought therapy from a Christian woman. I'll touch more on why getting a Christian therapist was so important for me personally a little later. But the key here is to get some outside help. Perhaps you don't have access to therapy. Is there one person you can think of who you can trust to be a sympathetic ear? If you're religious, perhaps a trusted person at church, an acquaintance you respect and admire. I found that even though I knew how much my friends and family loved me and wanted to help, I found it impossible to speak to them openly about the particular pain I was going through. And I think this is common. It is often easier to confide in a complete stranger who won't judge you, or at least not in a way that feels hurtful and intimidating. Who can give you a fresh perspective and who is trained to help you? An important part of therapy is journaling and uh, journaling, and I can't explain the ins and outs of why it's so healing. But writing out my thoughts, feelings, challenges, and wins has really unlocked something inside of me. I want to touch briefly on medication, and I cannot overemphasize the caveat that you should always, always seek first and foremost advice on medication from a professional. Medication for anxiety and depression saves lives. I know people for whom it has worked wonders, so I encourage anyone who is desperate for help to seriously consider it and take it if prescribed. But for me personally, medication was not the answer, at least not yet. Which brings me to the next step in getting my life back on track. Get moving. I cannot overstate the importance of exercise. You don't have to become a gym bunny or a bodybuilder, though that would be awesome. But find something that works for you that's sustainable or that even God forbid that you actually enjoy. I personally have an intense dislike for gyms, for sweating profusely in an enclosed space where other people have already sweated profusely on the equipment. I always have. And I'm also not keen on running, though I have a friend who adores it and I look at her like she has sprouted an extra head every time she tells me this. I tried cycling for a while, but even that felt like such a chore. I eventually started doing just a standard workout at home using YouTube tutorials and exercise apps. Now I have started walking. I walk a lot. I aim to do 10,000 steps a day and that has really, truly transformed my life. I have so much energy and my mood is stable and positive throughout the day. I've taken to walking the perimeter of an 180-acre park close by, and as I walk, the fresh air and sunshine leave me feeling inspired and excited for the future. So where medication didn't seem to work for me, exercise and sunshine worked wonders. That's something to think about, but again, I implore you not to dismiss medication. For some of us, our bodies are simply not able to self-regulate properly and so medical intervention may be required. Don't ignore it. It goes without saying that even as you heal your mind, you should also heal your body with good nutrition, not just to maintain a healthy weight, but for overall well-being. I'm currently trying intermittent fasting, which comes highly recommended and in the version I'm using, 
requires you to fast for 16 hours and then allows you to eat pretty much anything you want in an eight hour window. My meals are made up almost entirely of protein, vegetables, and fruit, but there's no restriction on what you can eat. So I'll have an ice cream or a cheeky glass of Prosecco whenever I feel like it. Well, between 12 and 8 p.m., of course. My goal is to lose the eight kilos that I gained during lockdown over the next few weeks, and I will keep you posted on the progress. The next step is to find something you love that reconnects you to your spirit and your authentic self. What's the thing that makes you feel the most like your truest self? It's often something that seems effortless to you and ironically as a result, you underappreciate it, you downplay it, you don't value it. But for others, it's a gift. Perhaps it inspires and motivates them and they are amazed at how easily you seem to do it. But most importantly, it's your gift. It comes naturally to you for a reason. Why wouldn't you nurture it? Sometimes it's really not clear what this thing is, although you will have some inkling based on your interests and feedback from people around you. For me personally, the way I discovered one of my quote-unquote things is recognizing that I love words. I am obsessed with words. A well-crafted sentence moves me deeply, brings me so much joy, and sends me on daydreams about far-off places. I'm always randomly googling the meaning of words or places associated with certain words, and I sometimes use quote-unquote big words completely unprovoked, but honestly, without trying. They just flow out of me. As a result, it has always been my secret ambition to be a writer to author the great African novel. But for a very long time, I told myself I just wasn't good enough. But now I know and I accept that I am a writer. I am discovering my medium, but I have no doubt that this is one of the gifts that God gave me and I embrace it fully. The next important step is to nurture good friendships. The one thought that plagues you when you're feeling anxious and depressed is that you're alone. And perhaps sometimes it genuinely seems that way. I certainly often felt that way and still do sometimes. But is it the truth? Of course it isn't. Think of all the people that you love and cherish. And I don't mean that you feel all gooey and soft about, but the people who you care for, who it kills you to see hurting, or for who you would do almost anything to help out of a bad spot. If there are people you think of in that way, what makes you think that there is no one that regards you with the same affection? It's a lie that we often repeat to ourselves. When I was at my lowest point, a friend reached out and said, you know what, I think you should speak to this person. They helped me and I think they can help you. And that was the first step. There were also friends who just called me all the time, even when I had been MIA for a while, not calling or responding to their texts. And often they just spoke to me about the things that interested me, and sometimes we laughed until we cried literal tears. I was not able to confide my deepest pain, but they were just there. Other friends spoke to me about one of my deepest fears, and each in their own way let me know that I would never be alone. Yet another friend turned up unannounced at my door and literally bared her soul to me, shared 
deep personal anguish and tragedy with so much candor and humor that at times we were crying and laughing almost in the same sentence. Other friends recommended the practical tips and tools to just get the ball rolling, like the exercise app that I now use for my morning workouts, Workout for Women. It tailors seven-minute exercises that just get you moving. It's baby steps. And then, of course, there are the friends that come built in, the very first friends that God gives you, your family. Sometimes you can feel farthest from them, from the people that love you more than anyone who worry over you and cry out to God privately for your well-being. But even then, they remain the steady and unwavering rock to which you are always anchored, patiently waiting to receive you in whatever state you eventually turn up in. All this has taught me an important lesson about friendship. No one person can be everything to you. We are all human and fail often. I look back and know that at different points, I may have let down family and friends, not because I didn't care, but because I didn't have the resources or the knowledge to help. I have learned to extend grace, even when I felt bitterly disappointed and alone. And finally, find your center, your why. The why is God. Remember the first point I made about therapy and why it was so important for me to speak to a Christian therapist? One of the things my therapist did for me early on in our session was to pray with me. I have been praying all my life and I have seen other therapists, but I can tell you with all certainty that this was pivotal. This made all the difference for me. The prayer she said over me unlocked something. It allowed me to be vulnerable with a complete stranger in a way that I had really struggled with before. And without vulnerability, I could never have started my healing. I have been through many seasons of life when I came to my faith with childlike wonder and often when I lost my faith and ran from God when I questioned his goodness and railed at him in my heart for creating and allowing such a broken and unjust world. But the seasons always bring me back to the throne of Jesus, to the shepherd king. I have always loved this image of Christ, of a God who is both majesty and caretaker. In the infallible words of Thanos, the Titan, I sometimes imagine God saying to me, You could not live with your own failure. Where did that bring you? Back to me. Thank you for listening. Give us a like and subscribe if you enjoyed this episode. And follow me on Twitter at Eskentaro, that's E-S-S-K-E-N-T-A-R-O, to continue the conversation. I hope you'll be back for the next one. Goodbye for now.